Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Meet Calvin. Hi. Calvin won 50 bucks off his roommate. That's because Calvin has the iHeartRadio app. iHeartRadio. Which he used to make a pasta song playlist. I'm a genioki. Calvin blasted this on repeat after betting his roommate couldn't complete a four-day juice cleanse. Oh, I can. The song Proper Papardelle pushed him over the edge. Mm. I love carbs. Good thing Calvin is one of millions with the iHeartRadio app. Download it today and get paid to ruin your roommate's stupid cleanse. Like Calvin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Lineup with Dave Prodan. I'm Dave Prodan, and today is a bonus episode. We had Molly Picklum on earlier this week, and we have the Kimmy Werner on next Tuesday's podcast. However, since we just completed the Mayo Rip Curl Pro Portugal, won by first-time CT winners Katie Simmers and Zhao Xianca, and we are all staring down the Australian leg as well as mid-season relegation, we thought we had to bring Mitch Salazar in today to discuss where we're at. So for today's bonus episode, we are back on with my co-host for this season, where we run through winners and losers from the Mayo Rip Curl Pro Portugal. We dive deep into the current Vizla CT Shaper rankings following the completion of our Portuguese CT, where Marcio Zovi and the Sharp Eye team retook the lead from Matt Biolis and Team Mayhem heading into the Australian leg. And we also answer listener questions. Lots of fun every time I get to podcast with Mitch. So please enjoy the lineups conversation between myself and Mitch Salazar. The good old clap, take one. That's right. How many of you knew what you wanted to be when you were seven years old? I did. I wanted to be a world champion. Hey, is there honesty involved in this podcast? Can we be honest? We can shut your lips. And then I'll just say, put them up once. Let's go. He's like, you look too pretty on the way. Get ugly. We can talk about DMT if you want. I thought you were boxing. All right, we are back with Mitch Salazar for a special bonus episode of the lineup this week following the completion of stop number three on the 2023 WSL Championship Tour, the Mayo Rip Curl Pro Portugal, which was won by first-time CT winners, the rookie Caitlin Simmers and tour sophomore Zhao Xianca. We're going to run through winners and losers, the latest happenings on the 2023 Vizla CT Shaper rankings, and answer listener questions. We're super excited to get into it, but first... Mitch, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm great, Dave. I'm really excited after seeing what we saw at this event in Portugal. Obviously, the waves were pumping a few days. There was that one day where Callum Robson had the perfect 10, and I think every other wave that day was either, you know, something in the excellent range or something in the low-poor range. But, you know, great event. Uh, Great to see uh, some new faces up on the podium, but... How about the dominance of Jack Robinson? He's going to move into Australia. And Molly Picklem, same thing, going back to her home country, both with the yellow leader jersey. 
it's been a minute since the Australians have been on top. And uh, I think you're right. You know, I think for the last couple of decades, we've we've been like, is this it? Is this is this when we're going to see kind of a generational shift? And we don't want to get you know too far ahead of our skis yet. But it does feel like there is a ton of new blood filtering into the upper echelons of the rankings here. It's super excited. And uh, yeah, let's open up with winners and losers, Mitch. Why don't you tell or remind everybody how this segment works and uh, start us off? Yeah, so both you and I, Dave, are going to have three winners based off of the last event and three losers. I'm going to start with my first winner, and I think it's pretty obvious that the selection here has to go to Joao Shianka. You know, huge win, first win out of his CT career. He's only a sophomore, as you said, but three events into the season, and he's already had two semifinal finishes and a win. This is incredible. We're talking mm-hmm. about a guy who barely qualified for the championship tour again last season. Remember going into Sakurama, his home break for the CS. He needed to get a good result there, made it to the semifinals. There was a really close heat in Khalif. I think it was me, Manabrai, John Mel was in there as well. And he barely made it out of that heat. Luckily advanced, qualified through the last event in Khaliva. Next thing you know, semifinal finish at Pipeline, semifinal finish at Sunset Beach, and now a huge win against Jack Robinson. He moves up into number two in the rankings, Dave. Who's your number one? I love that pick, and he's part of this trend we're seeing now that the two-tier systems moved into the three-tier system and we have the mid-season relegation you've got elite level surfers having to battle their way back on and we've seen it with Brissa Hennessy had to re-qualify through the Challenger Series wins a CT event uh, Molly Picklum yeah. same thing Zhao Xianka same thing it, it, it's a little bit like the surfers who taste what it's like to be on the championship tour and lose it, come back with a vengeance. And I I think we're going to see that trend continue. My uh, first winner, you mentioned it already, is Callum Robson and Yeti. The (laughs) first perfect 10 of the season for, as you pointed out, wrangling a mutant right-hander on Bloody Sunday at Super Tubos. The video, the photo angles, the thing was insane. And I know you and I talked about it on the day. The CT surfers have this WhatsApp group thread and the thread went absolutely ballistic. Jack Robinson sent in a video of himself watching it live and he is just screaming and howling through it happening. It's just so cool. You know, Callum, he's a no-nonsense surfer. He's strong. He's fast. He charges. And and it was on complete display in the elimination round in Portugal. And yeah, as a result of the Perfect 10, he collects a, I think it's a 110-gallon Yeti Tundra cooler, which I'm sure he'll put to good use back in Australia. Yeah, no, that's a great pick. And um, I think it's really exciting when we see the surfers actually supporting each other. And, um, you know, we saw during the... During the replay that everybody, you know, in the athlete zone, the Red Bull athlete zone was cheering him on and actually hooting him into that wave, too, because I think there was somebody paddling for the wave a bit further outside. They couldn't right. catch it. And they're like, go, Cal, go. And I remember Ryan Callen and Connor Levy, even uh, Samo Pupo was up there in the athlete zone, too. And, um, you know, I think the sophomore class is having a great year so far. Callen making it to the quarters. Joao Shianka winning. And Samuel Pupo also making it to the quarters. So you see that second generation of surfers coming through and they're developing good results. And that brings me to actually my second winner of this event, not a sophomore, but a rookie. And she moves up to number two in the mm-hmm. rankings, her first CT win in just her third event, Dave. That's Caitlin Simmers from Oceanside, California. Loved her performance, mm-hmm. loved her resilience. And when we speak about resilience, this 17-year-old has it. Remember, she gave up her spot in 2021, decided not to surf last season on the championship tour, 
This year, she comes back, maybe has a decent result at Pipeline, much better at Sunset Beach, but a win here after defeating Sophie McCulloch in the quarterfinals, literally in the last few seconds, comes back to win the final against Courtney Collog when Courtney opened up with a nine-point ride. Doesn't really get any better than this right now. And she's number two in the rankings, Dave. She could be qualifying for the Rip Curl WSL finals too. I love it. And you mentioned she's from Oceanside, San Diego. I, I wonder who, who was the last San Diegan to win a CT event? Was it Taylor Knox? Taylor Knox, Rob Machado? Like, like for 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 a county that produces such good surfers and has such good waves, it is shocking that it's been uh, that long between sips. But um, yeah, good for Katie. I, I I love that pick. You know, the the second winner I got is. I, a little bit broad, but like the Portuguese fans and, and surfing in general, you know, I've had the good fortune to work at that event for many years and the fans, they always turn out for the world's best surfers. But even I was shocked when, you know, the national media reported that 51,000 people were on the beach for the big bad day on Sunday, which which is really wild. So, yeah, I think, you know, the winners uh, for turning up en masse are, are the Portuguese fans. And I think our surfers are, too, because they get to perform in in, su- in front of such a huge crowd. Dude, uh, you mentioned it all right there, Dave. I mean, 51,000 people, that's maybe, you know, just as close as the U.S. Open on its busiest day, too. And we're talking about maybe a beach that doesn't even have the same size as Huntington. So good for them, good for mm. the Portuguese fan, and good for Europe. Um, I know they're gunning for another CT event soon, so that just might open the doors for it right there. And the president was there on finals day, too. It was amazing. Right. El Presidente. <laughs> I loved yeah. it. So great things. Portuguese fans, European fans, they loved it. But my number three winner, and she needed a huge result, Dave, our runner-up to the mm-hmm. event, Courtney Conlog. She moves up to number 12 in the rankings was really close to winning this event. I thought she should have closed it out after her opening nine-point ride in the first few minutes. Mm. Unfortunately for her, it didn't happen. But still, you got to take the positive when you get it. She moves up to number 12, right below the cut line. But she's right there going into Bells Beach, an event she's won before, and Margaret River, another event that is very strong for her. I see Courtney doing well, especially if there's a lot of swell, both in WA and a Bells. I love that. And it's so cool to see Courtney, as you pointed out, like, like respond after a slow start in Hawaii. I, I had the good fortune of talking to her on the sand before the season started. She looked as strong as I've ever seen her. She seemed so clear minded. She'd spent a month in Nicaragua dialing her, her surfing in. And yeah, the results just didn't happen in Hawaii. It was awesome to see her rebound. And, and as you pointed out, she's got a strong reputation at both of the Australian events. It'll be interesting to see. Um, my third winner coming out of the Mayo uh, Rip Curl Pro Portugal is is Team Volcom, you know, uh, between Jack Robinson, Zhao Xianca, and Iago Dora, the, the Volcom Stone, they have three surfers in the top 10 on the men's championship tour, which in my opinion is really remarkable and a remarkable achievement for, you know, a surf program that like many others over the last decade, has gone through quite the upheaval. And and as of today, they're the number one surf team on the men's tour in terms of the top 10. And, and I think, you know, the likes of 
Brad Doherty and Matt Bemrose and their teams, they deserve a lot of credit in, in what they've built on the men's side. And as we know, they have uh, Sierra Kerr coming down the track on the women's yeah. qualification side as well. So yeah, Team Volcom is is taking the number three winner spot for me coming out of Portugal. That is an excellent pick. I hadn't even really thought about it. I know that Yago, Jack, and Joao, you know, they're, they're big representatives of the brand. But when it comes to a whole... Volcom had really been seen as a free surfing brand for most of the time, too. I mean, besides Bruce sure. Irons, they hadn't really had a representative on the championship tour for many years. So good for them. Big credit to both uh, Dave Riddle and Jason Shibata for what they've done over there in Hawaii, too, over the years. They developed the likes of Ezekiel Lau and Imai Kalani Devault as well. Now both of them riding for different uh, brands, but I think they, they deserve a lot of credit. Now going to the loser segment, Dave. Um, this is an interesting mm. one because to me... Given the conditions that we had at this event, I thought these four surfers were going to do better. I like to call them the Fantastic right. Four. It's Gabe, <laughs> John John, Felipe, and Italo. Out of those four men mm. that I mentioned, all four of them have been past world champions. One of them is coming off of their last world championship last year, or the first world championship for that matter. None of them made the quarterfinals here. That is a result that I would say is lackluster for them given the conditions, mm. given the amount of experience that they all have here, and given that all of them have been former champions at this event too. So to me, this is something that I did not expect. I was expecting them to go into finals day at least into the quarters, but none of them even made it there. So they are my first loser. You and I are mind-melding on this one because similarly, I, I, my first loser was the champion class, you know. Kelly Slater, Stephanie Gilmore, Felipe Toledo, Tyler Wright, John John Florence, Carissa Moore, Gabriel Medina, and Italo Ferreira were all bundled out of the event, as you pointed out, before the quarterfinals. Not a single world champion on tour out of the eight that we currently have made it to the quarters. I'm not sure when the last time that happened was like really shocking and and maybe uh, not proof positive, but maybe one of the strands leading to what we mentioned in the in the upfront that it might feel like there is a generational shift happening on tour this season. Anything can happen. The, the, the talent across the board is so strong. And to see something like this happen, I, I was impressed in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's almost shocking to me that we're still talking about surfers that have been here for, you know, three decades, like Kelly, still expecting him to sure. get good results. But it's based off of the previous results that he's had at this location. And especially knowing what the forecast was going to be, we expected them to mm. do well. But um, I agree. Stephanie Gilmore, I mean, she's below the cut line. I wouldn't even be surprised to see her really up the ante in her home country of Australia. But it's a, it's a losing class right here. We had it at the male rip pro, pro Portugal. And I was um a little devastated when I saw the results going into finals day. Not a single <laughs> former champion out there, which is good, though. I mean, it's good for surfing. Totally, totally. So now my number two pick, and this might come to a little bit of a surprise, Dave, but... I had a hard thought about it, and to me, it's the European surfers because mm. maybe a lot of people wouldn't necessarily consider them the heaviest hitters on tour, but given the results that Leo has had this year, both at Pipeline and at Sunset Beach, I was expecting him to do a lot better. I was expecting Maxime Husineau to get his best result out of the season here. That did not happen. Even though Joan Deroux got an equal ninth place, this is not a surfer that is currently on the championship tour, so this doesn't really count. Mm -hmm. And in terms of the female surfers, Yolanda Hopkins did show up, but once again, 
wild card, wild card surfer that made it all the way through to the quarterfinals, eliminating Carissa Moore. So those European men mm. on the championship tour side did not have a good result going into this event, knowing that it's the only stop out of this leg. And now their back is up against the wall going in Australia. Given that Leo already has the final finish and a good result at Sunset Beach afterwards, he might be guaranteed a spot before the mid-year cutoff, but not for the other two gentlemen that I mentioned. Maxime Husino is in a lot of trouble, Dave. It's an interesting one. And and just broadly with European surfers too, like, you know, we've had the good fortune of spending time there. There are so many good surfers. There's such a strong community. There's a very healthy industry. They're supporting yeah. young surfers on both the men's and women's side. I, I have to wonder too, if it's a function of just, it, it's very far to travel globally to, to kind of develop that elite level uh, and on Moss, you know, like everyone you mentioned for sure is an elite level surfer, but we're not seeing the same kind of community group out of, you know, Hawaii or Australia or Brazil that we're seeing uh, for the Europeans. And, you know, similar to South Africa, amazing country, great waves, world-class surfers. It's just very far away to get to the United States or Hawaii or Indonesia or Australia or Brazil. Um, I have to wonder if that plays something uh, in in that result. But um, great pick, uh, great surfers from that continent. I'd love to see them do well. You know, my uh, my second loser, <coughs> big drum roll, um, is uh, the surfing industrial complex. So, okay, everyone listening can drink now. I've said it, but yeah, the the surfing industrial complex of which. You know, the IPS, the ASP, the WSL, and myself would be considered a part of or at least complicit in. But but what I mean by that is Kolohe Andino, absolutely not a loser. He is a fantastic surfer. He's had a very healthy career amongst the world's best. However, you know, more so than anyone, we could argue that he is the person the industry essentially raised, right? He's been in the limelight since he's very young, sponsored from a very young age, early calls and expectations of he is destined to be a world champion, lofty aspirations, a lot of investment. And yet, as you mentioned, he's currently ranked 31st on the CT after Portugal. He's yet to clinch his first CT win in, in over 100 events served. He's made a few notable finals. Um, and we don't know where he goes from here. You know, whether he performs and gets his results at Bells and Margaret River, where, where he's finaled before in the past and makes the cut. Or if he doesn't, does he go to the Challenger Series to try to qualify? Does he sail off into the San Clemente <laughs> sunset? And, you know, whatever the case, right? The, the results have yet to match the, the signaled expectations from the surfing world. And this is something we've talked about on the podcast before with Julian Wilson, you know, really talented surfers that have really impressive careers on paper, but then matched against kind of that long shadow that we all collectively put out there for them, they fall short. And, and so for that reason alone, I think we, you know, the surfing industrial complex, all have to kind of take a collective L on this one too. Well, you want to take responsibility. And um, what happens here, I think Kolohe's story is an interesting one because he grew up in the limelight, you know, ever since Dino retired. You know, Dino became the the team manager for Oakley. Kolohe was able to go on all mm -hmm. these trips with Oakley, then eventually got sponsored by Billabong. He turns into the American Wonder Kid, wins all these QS events. When, yep. when we were amateurs, Dave, he was winning everything. I mean, there wasn't a single event that oh, he wasn't winning. Everything. 
everything. And it was yeah. scary. You'd be thinking, okay, this guy's going to win a championship tour event. First series on, he's going to win a world title within his first three years. Next thing you know. Oh, the the hype video from Nike before yeah. his rookie year was like, dude, I've never seen anything mm-hmm. like this. Everyone's <laughs> like, he's doing eight foot airs at Salt Creek. And we're like wearing white wetsuits. I'm like, I guess yep. this is the new Kelly. We're here. Let's and go. And that was basically their goal was to get a new mm-hmm. hopeful for the United States of America on top of the world stage. And unfortunately, in mm-hmm. his 12-year career on the championship tour, that hasn't happened. As you mentioned, the goal right now is just to requalify. You have two events sure. to get at least two quarterfinal finishes. I would have to say probably better than that, though. At least two semis, maybe even a final. But um, he just needs to focus on the two events that he has ahead. And if it doesn't happen, then, hey, you regroup. And if you don't want to do this anymore, you just take a step away and you enjoy life as a free surfer. For sure. And two events, let's just be honest, Winky Pop, Bells Beach, you know, Main Break, Margaret River, The Box, wherever the venues are for these last two events, that if we're being objective and we look at how well he surfs and how strong he is and when he's on, there's no reason he cannot win both of those and perform, right? Like, and that's kind of the weird question with it is like, where is the disconnect? Um, he's been injured in the past. He seems completely healthy now. His boards look good. His surfing looks good when it's on. And it's just, man, we just need to see that spark. I hope we see it um, over the Australian leg. But uh, what third loser coming out of Portugal for you, Mitch? Yeah, I have Tyler Wright. Um, You know, she's sitting number four Mm. in the rankings. But I thought this was a great event for her in terms of the conditions. She's won in France before. She's won at Pipeline. Mm -hmm, Heavy mm -hmm. waves like Fiji, Honolulu Bay. I expected her to do very well here. Ends up losing in the elimination round. And not to say, you know, that she's out of the title race or anything like that. But when you're number four, given that you could have been number one going into your home country of Australia when you've won at Bells Beach or coming off of a of a win last year, Margaret Rivers, a good stop for you too. I kind of thought this was the kind of season that she was going to have in terms of consistency. But after sunset, you know, I kind of saw that spark decrease a little bit. It seems like she's maybe overthinking mm. things a little bit. I didn't see that at Pipeline. It seems like she was reacting to things at Pipeline, which is something that I like to see out of Tyler. She's letting the ocean dictate what she's going to do and not control her own actions. So, you know, uh, I don't necessarily think that uh, she's going to be out of the title race, especially going into the latter part of the year when we have Tahiti on the schedule now, too. But uh, in terms of this event, mm-hmm. if after Portugal, she's my third biggest loser, Dave. What about yourself? It's it's an interesting pick, right? Because we've had two Rip Curl WSL finals over the last couple of years. Tyler has not participated in either. And she's actually had pretty strong yep. starts to both seasons and then kind of fallen off mid-year and has was unable to claw her way back into the final five to, to be um, in the mix at lower trestles. So I, it's, it's an interesting pick and it'll be interesting to see if she can kind of rectify um, the, the trend from the last two years. Um, my third loser <clears throat> coming out of Portugal... And I'm going to go with somewhat of an obvious one, but hopefully for less than obvious reasons. And that is uh, anyone at the bottom of the rankings on either side at this stage. And, and, And... I'm sure people are rolling their eyes so hard right now. I actually hear it happening in the future from here. But here's my point. You know, the the championship tour, it's home to the best men's and women's surfers on the planet. And as we've seen, anything can happen at any time. So 
typically, with two events remaining in Bells Beach and Margaret River before relegation and 20,000 potential points still up for grabs, you can normally go about your business thinking that there's still freedom of movement in the rankings. Um, and yes, there is. But after the first three events, the middle of the rankings, just under and just over the cut line, is absolutely clogged with a murderer's yeah. row of proven performers. Yeah. On the men's side, you're looking at Jordy Smith, Nat Young, Connor O'Leary, Kanoa Igarashi, Kelly Slater, Baron Mamiya, and the like, all hovering around the relegation point. And on the women's side, you've got Betty Lucicura Johnson, Sally Fitzgibbons, Courtney Conlog, Lakey Peterson, and Steph Gilmore, amongst the others, in the mix at that stage of the rankings. And so, you know, my point is, if you need to make up ground in the rankings right now, you have to do through you have to do so through a, a really daunting field at the moment, and and that's going to be something to watch heading into Australia. Yeah, it's intimidating knowing that some people that have been runner ups uh, for the World Championship are in the mix of not requalifying. People that have been former World Champions are in the mix of not requalifying. And remember, did you see that video of Kelly saying, "Hey"? This might be my last time ever in Portugal. This might be my last time ever. I don't. I don't know. He might be speculating, but that's another thing too. <laughs> Cat, captain, Captain Smokescreen. <laughs> but every, everyone's gonna be warming up for bells, being like, "I can't believe Kelly said that in the video." And then they're gonna miss a set wave and be like, "God damn!" And that's it. what like, I'm that's saying. Exactly. What he exactly. Wants. He's yeah. gonna get a result. <laughs> Next thing you know, he's requalifying. He goes into the surf ranch. He's gonna be a top ten surfer after that. So there's all these speculations and stuff that we can be saying but i don't think we won't be able to notice their body language up until the actual moment when they realize okay it's now or never and some people don't have the same kind of support that others do in the top part of the rankings too okay financial mm, decision totally. wise i either make the cut or i'm maybe not even doing the challenger series afterwards because i don't have enough financial support it's like that dave right right yeah very interesting, and, and, I, and I can't wait to see uh, what happens in Australia. Um, before we, we go into the first break, uh, we should bring up the Lineup Podcast has its own fantasy league, WSL Fantasy uh, Surf Game. Uh, the league is a private league. It's called the Lineup Podcast. So if you search for it, the password is uh, lineup, all lowercase. I try to play fantasy every event. Um, uh, constant criticism from the people in my life is that I should do much better than I do. Um, I can't, I can't get it done, but, um, you know, Mitch, what's been your fantasy experience like over the course of the season so far? Uh, how'd you go in Portugal? I'm so embarrassed, Dave. I forgot to actually set my team before <laughs> the event started. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't gain any points after this event so, and I'm already so, not great. Not oh great. my! I'm, I'm in one league. Um, it's with all the guys from Florence Marina X, IPD Surf, and and the guys that I used to work with at Hurley, and the crap that goes down in terms of the talking right there. I'm in last place <laughs> yes, now. Of course. I'm in last place, and they're they're like, "Hey, this is your job. Like, why are you better at this?" I'm like, first of all, I forgot to say, right, right, yeah." <laughs> so I'm embarrassed. I'll do better. I'll do better going into the next few events. I promise. I've got a question for you though. When you when you do remember to set your team, are you one of those people that um, you set your team and then obviously uh, through the first round you can be like, okay, I'm yeah. going to swap things out, or do you just set it and forget it and 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 you know 
uh, die on whatever hill you've set up on. No, because especially now, because the seating changes, that we have a bracket stage rather than an actual round of 32, um, the way people mm. match up against each other might be a little sooner than expected. So I definitely am watching things uh, going into the elimination round. Um, as soon as the elimination round finishes, if we're not going into the actual bracket stage, which would now be the round of 32, I'm changing my team up as quickly as I can before they actually match up. I don't want any friendly fire. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, I, I did remember to set my team. I don't think I've ever changed Surfer's mid-event, though, because I, I usually am busy and I, I'm one extra thing that if I put it in my brain, I'll probably forget how to like drink water or something, <laughs> so I don't bother with it. Um, but um, yeah, I was shocked. I opened I opened the lineup podcast league, which has a few hundred teams in it, so hello to everyone. And I'm ranked 70th, which is maybe the best I've ever done, but we should shout out the, the current top five. Um, uh, in fifth at the moment... In the lineup podcast fantasy league is team goofy foot barner um in fourth is yard panther in third is lemus in second is don v who looks like their avatar is the top of kelly's bald head and um number one in the lineup podcast fantasy league following the mayo rip curl pro portugal is team andy oppo so congratulations to you guys again if you're a listener and you want to get involved uh it is a private league at uh, worldsurfleague.com slash fantasy you just uh look for the lineup podcast league and punch in the password lineup all lowercase um a lot of fun. Good opening segment, Mitch. We're going to take a quick break to get a word in from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. WSLstore.com is powered by Shopify. We love the analytics we can check on the go. A lot of us are addicted to checking the Shopify app on our phones. We also love the automations and marketing integrations with our social and YouTube channels. It has incredible features to help us manage our global audience, including international taxation support and great shipping optionality. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash lineup, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash lineup now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash lineup. (laughs) 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is now time for the post Mayo Rip Curl Pro Portugal update of the Vizsla CT Shaper Rankings. Shaper Rankings! A reminder of how this works Shapers are given points based on the performance of surfers that are on their boards that finish in the quarterfinals or better. It's combined rankings, men's and women's. So the higher they place, the more points the shaper receives. We're gonna be tracking the Vizsla CT shaper rankings from event number one at Pipeline through event number 10 at Chopu. And we will crown a winner before September's Rip Curl WSL finals. Now, when the dust had settled in Portugal, we saw Marcio Zuvi and the Sharp Eye team wrench back the number one spot on the Vizsla CT Shaper rankings from Matt Biolis and Team Mayhem, who took it after the Hurley Pro at Sunset Beach. As far as the Sharp Eye team went, it was a, a staggering showing across the men's and women's events. They had a men's runner-up and two men's quarterfinal finishes, uh, combined with two women's semifinal finishes, claiming five out of the eight possible results from Portugal. It's the uh, biggest performance from a single team we've seen so far this season. Mitch, what were your thoughts on uh, the Shaper performances in Portugal and, and specifically how Sharp Eye did in taking back the lead from uh, Channel Islands? Or sorry, excuse me, from uh, Mayhem. Yeah, well, I mean, props to them because they've been dominating for the last few years and it's much more noticeable now, especially with Jack Robinson in another final here in Portugal. But um, big props to the two local shapers from California too, getting both of their women into the final, Chris Borst from Oceanside, California and Tim Stamps from Huntington Beach. It goes to show you that you don't necessarily need to be on the biggest brand in terms of the actual board and the shaper to get a good result. I think you're guaranteed good surfing when you're getting on one of those boards if you're an elite, uh, an elite level surfer, Dave. But this is just a demonstration of what an actual relationship with your shaper on an intimate side can develop into a transition into a championship tour status surfer. And we're seeing it with both Courtney Conlog and Chris Borst. Uh, excuse me, Caitlin Simmers and Chris Boris and Courtney Conlog with Tim Stamps. I like it. Um, I also want to give a big prop uh, to Glenn Pang from TNC. Sally Fitzgibbons also mm-hmm. made the semi, uh, the quarterfinals on the women's side. So uh, he got some points on the board as well. For sure. And it's the, the, the Vizsla CT Shaper Rankings program has been so cool to see. You know, the commentators talk about it on the broadcast. We get to talk about it on the podcast. The social media community is jumping in. And, and the shapers themselves are, are really getting involved. I got an Instagram message the other day um, from uh, the shaping team at 1DA who, who build um, Jadson's boards. And they're awarding prizes for, for perfect 10s coming out of the event. And, and they wanted to let us know because... It's all part of the same kind of conversation about, you know, the best shapers on the planet building craft for the best surfers on the planet. And on that topic, I, I made a few other notes from the event. We mentioned it already, but so cool for, for Callum to get the first perfect 10 of the season. He was riding a Glenn Pang from TNC Surf that 
he pulled from Hawaii. It was on the big day uh, during the elimination round. And then he went on to collect the first points of the year on uh, Sparrow, which is his sort of standard shaper with his semifinal finish. Very, very cool. And like you said, it's he might be the only surfer on the Sparrow team on tour at the moment, but it doesn't mean that you can't collect points. It doesn't mean that you can't move into the conversation. And uh, I want to mention something, too, about Callum that I think is really exceptional. Um, you asked me a few episodes ago, Dave, uh, what was my quiver like when I was doing the QS and traveling? I had a low income, you know. Um, I wasn't able to make enough money to, to support myself to eventually pursue the highest of the upper echelon. I'm talking about uh, which were formerly known as the Six Star Primes, now known as the Challenger Series events. Once I made it there, mm. I had to make a financial decision whether or not it was better to go to college and pursue something else within the sport of surfing than continue to be a professional surfer. Props to Calaman. It goes to show you, he's still grinding his local shaper, a guy that's probably shaped his boards for a long time, goes to Hawaii, grabs the boards from a local shaper over there. He probably has to pay for them. And because he has to pay for them, he appreciates them to the largest of mm. severities because, look, he goes to Portugal, brings a board that was actually designed for Hawaii to Europe, rides it, gets a perfect mm. 10 on that board, and then goes back to his normal shortboards afterwards. This is a sign of resiliency. And to everybody that's listening, this guy still does not have a main sponsor on his board. It's a great note. And and I loved what you said about the local shaper component from Hawaii. I remember the last time we caught up, we were like, are we going to see the same thing happen um, in Portugal? And, and we were a little bit um, unsure but we did actually see a local shaper based in Paniche, originally from Germany, with Fatum surfboards. Um, they put points on the board following Yolanda Hopkins's quarterfinal finish. So I thought that was really cool. And, you know, as we said, like the European surfing community is so strong. There's elite level talent, whether it's coaches, surfers, shapers. And it's cool to see that validated on the, the um, elite field. I did not see that coming uh, at all. What about you, Mitch? No, I remember you sent me th that text the other day, and I was so stoked. I was like, wait, a German guy that lives in Portugal now, and he's a shaper, and he's a Yolanda shaper? Because I've seen her for a few years now, and I didn't even realize that was the case. So great for them. Um, it goes to show you that... We, we should, we should, we should real quick, I, I just, sorry, I had to look at it. We should call out the shaper's name. It's uh, Yero Tragaching, and I, <laughs> I definitely pronounced that wrong, but but congrats to you guys. Like, that's so cool. But so, sorry, Mitch, you finished I, your point. I didn't mean it. No, I appreciate that because props to him. You know, you come from a non-surfing country, you go to a big surfing country like Portugal, expectations for yourself are usually high. Maybe for the people around you, they're not as high. But once you start developing boards and somebody gets a good result on them in terms of competition, people are like, okay, this guy that maybe doesn't come from an original surfing background can actually make a great board. Why don't I try one? Next thing you know, that person's riding it on the QS. They may might make it even on the, to, to the CT eventually too. So I love these stories. That's what we're here about. That's what surfing's all about. Couple other odds and ends. Well, before we round out um, this episode's Vizsla CT Shaper Ranking segment, um, Sammy Pupo, whose brother Miguel Pupo on tour, their father was a, a, a touring surfer and is a world class shaper in his own right. Both the boys have ridden OHP boards in the past. Miguel, over the last couple of seasons, has been part of that juggernaut Sharp Eye team. Before Portugal happened, we saw his brother Sammy Pupo. Riding sharp eyes, warming up on the Belgish side of the peninsula in Portugal. He ended up riding those to his best result of the season, the quarterfinals. What do you think about the move for Sammy there, uh, Mitch? 
You know, it's an interesting one, Dave, because uh, we talked about it during the opening part of the season at Pipeline that, you know, he was sticking to his father's designs. And it just seemed like after Sunset Beach, when he didn't get the result that he was kind of expecting there, uh, especially coming off of a rookie of the year performance last season, he knows that he's a top 10 surfer when it comes to competing. Talent wise, I would have to say he's very comparable to Joao Chianca, who is currently number two in the Mm -hmm. ranks. I don't think it's a bad move. Um, the one thing I will say, though, is that you're going up against a lot of great surfers within your own surfboard team that might have highlighted performances that are better than yours. And uh, that could also come with free surfs, such as Jack Robinson, mm. such as your older brother, Miguel, and obviously Kanoe Garashi being a juggernaut on the team, too. So he might not get the most media attention, but that could also be a positive thing for him. Take away a little bit of the limelight when it comes to the actual industry side. That could cement his position on the CT for years to come, Dave. It's interesting, Mitch. I I wanted to ask you another question about this, too, because you were a touring competitor as well. Obviously, you've mentioned a few times you didn't have the same financial support that a lot of the other traveling surfers did in terms of getting equipment. But I am curious if you noticed when you toured, was there a little bit of a, a lemming culture, right, where it's like everyone's like, that person keeps winning on those boards. I need to get on those boards. And, and and this kind of gravitational pull towards one place because everyone's like, that shaper's got the hot hand right now. I have to get on those boards. And it's a little bit like, um, what's what's the phrase? Like, um, it, it's, a, it's a little bit like, a, it's not foregone conclusion, but I'll figure <laughs> it out later. But it's a little bit like, oh, so I, th- I got it. Self-fulfilling <laughs> prophecy. I'm like, book of revelations. What am I thinking? No, it's a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Like if, if one surfer is doing well on a board brand and everyone's like, I got to get on that brand and that brand gets even more people on it, then the results are constantly going to be higher and, and so, again, it kind of it, it reinforces the belief. I'm wondering if you noticed that when you were touring as well or if this is sort of a newer phenomenon. No, it's been around for, for a while. Um, I would have mm. to say during my time dur- doing the QS, um, I was a big Channel Islands guy originally. And not to say that I'm not at the moment because I still ride a few of their boards. Um, but when I saw, you know, Kolohe and a lot of people having a lot of success with Mayhems, especially a guy that was around the same age group as myself, Ian Crane, I remember him and I um, mm. used to do the QS a lot together within the same region. Um, I decided to try Mayhem's out. And next thing you know, I'm surfing very well on these boards. Um, I've been dedicated to them for a long time now because I feel that my surfing has progressed so much. And they're very responsive. Mm. That happened a lot with a lot of surfers within the North American region. I felt like Mayhem dominated for a while after kind of the the downfall of Channel Islands. And now they're uprising again. They're coming back up, especially with Joel's performances lately. But um. I think what I saw with Sharp Eye was probably around 2015, 2016. One thing mm. that uh, changed to me was when they signed Felipe to a full contract. And um, right. since they're based in San Diego, a lot of these local surfers, I remember the Thompson brothers from Jacksonville Beach in Florida, they used to come out to lower trestles and train during the whole summer. A lot of people will see them at lowers. Mm. Next thing you know, Jet Schilling's on the boards. He's a full-time rider too. And right, it just right. creates a sense of confidence and especially when you're on the qualifying series and you're surfing many different heats against many different people from different regions of the, of the world, you need to be at your very best to perform in those 20 minutes that you have inside the water. So to me, it's something that I've seen mm. for a while. I think it's going to continue to happen, too. I wouldn't even be surprised to see some more changes before the year ends. Mm. Well, you mentioned Channel Islands, and, and I had to look this up. 
you know, Zhao Xianka delivered Channel Islands their first championship tour win since Lakey Peterson at Surf Ranch in 2019. And, and I find that amazing in so many ways, but, but as we've talked to, you know, Britt Merrick, who, who leads that team and, and Brent uh, Powers, who's the team manager there, uh, Britt's the lead shaper, um, have talked about in the past over the last few years, they've been in rebuild mode, you know, through the, the mid oddies and early 2010s, they were so dominant, you know, Bobby Martinez, Dane Reynolds, Kelly Slater, Lisa Anderson, um, you know, Rob Machado, it was this crazy team that, um, you know, wasn't sustained. Nothing lasts forever. They they had a bit of a falling off, and now they're building back up. So yeah, I think you know, Brit and Brent, what they've been able to do over the last few years, especially in the face of these mega teams at Sharpie, Mayhem, DHD, the success of Pizel, to to build a program that is already delivering, you know, a CT result after a fallow period is is really cool. A hundred percent. And uh, there were three other people or three other families that were involved during that process with Channel Islands when I felt that they were at the top. One was Taylor Knox, who had his own model with Channel mm-hmm. Islands. The Malloy brothers, who yep. had their own uh, uh, models, but they tended to ride flyers for the most part because they were usually those power surfers that really liked to engage the rail. And the Curran brothers, both Timmy and Nathaniel mm-hmm. were on the championship tour riding sure. Channel Islands. And I felt that for a while, not only were they super dominant, but because of the accessibility of being in the L.A. region or at least in Southern California, they were able to disperse mm. their boards a lot better throughout the entire community here in North America, especially from Mexico, where I'm from. We'd see them a lot. Next thing you know, Sharpie having a lot of sales reps over the world and they're spreading these boards around. And I think that's what's starting to happen with Channel Islands again. They got a Brazilian surfer. And guess what? This Brazilian surfer is now in the top two out of the championship tour. So this should help them. For sure. Um, the last little note um, I mentioned, and, and you brought this up, um, you know, in the days following the Mayo Rip Curl Pro Portugal, but, you know, Hawaiian CT surfer Seth Moniz really gracefully announced that, that he's moving on from longtime shaper Takoro heading into the Australian leg. Um, just going to have a quick look at where Seth is at on the rankings right now. He's 13th. Right, so he's had uh, ninth place at Pipe, a ninth place at Sunset Beach, and a ninth place in Portugal. Um, what do you think about this decision, Mitch? And and if you had to speculate, where do you think he could kind of land when we find out here? I think it's uh, kind of an obvious place where he's going to land. I don't even need to say the name because they've been the most dominant for a few years now. But um, really, I think so. I think so because. Um, if you look at the success that um, a lot of people have had, especially including last year's world champ, I think that's where Seth is going to end. Um, it was uh, a bittersweet farewell, though. I know him and, and Wade are super tight. Uh, his brother Josh mm. also rides Carrie uh, Takoro's boards, Wade's brother. Right, right. Um, although they're from HIC, they're still a Takoro brand board. Um, of course. And Wade is such an incredible person, a great surfer, by the way. I mean, I I would say if we actually have the Surfers Cup, he might end up winning. Um <laughs> There's a few shapers calling for it, you know. Yeah. I'd love to figure out how we do this. Yeah, but, uh, it's it's bittersweet. It's it's a decision. It's a decision that came down to him whether or not he wanted to mm-hmm. perform at an upper level. And if it's a mental thing too, then go ahead and do it. You know, there's nothing holding you back, especially if that person that you consider a dear friend of yours is letting you go as well. So if there's not going to be any hard feelings, yeah. I think it's a smart decision on Seth's behalf. 
Interesting. Well, the the current Vizsla CT Shaper rankings following the Mayo Rip Curl Pro Portugal are in the number one spot, Sharp Eye, number two, Mayhem, number three, DHD, number four, Channel Islands, and number five, Pizel. We'll see what happens at April's Rip Curl uh, Pro Bells Beach. Uh, but that was it for this week's uh, Vizsla CT Shaper rankings update. We're going to take another quick break and we will be right back. Hey, I hear you think podcasts are all about true crime, huh? Well, wise guy, the iHeartRadio app's got all kinds of podcasts. We got stuff you should know and stuff they don't want you to know. We got Bobby Bones, Big Boy, and Lou Later. We got SpongeBob Binge Pants and Exotic Erotic Storytime. We got Doughboys, Two Dudes in a Kitchen, Green Eggs and Dan. Hey, we got ElfQuest. We got podcasts for everything on the iHeartRadio app for free. If you don't download that, well, that's not just a true crime, my friend. That's criminal. Manduka was founded in 1997 with the simple idea that a better yoga mat could make a world of difference. For generations, Manduka has revolutionized the yoga space by providing purposely crafted products that enable a more joyful practice, whatever that looks like for you. The collaboration between Manduka and Jerry Lopez honors Jerry's profound dedication to both surfing and yoga disciplines. The limited edition collection showcases Jerry's signature camouflage print inspired by his surfboards. It fuses his iconic surf style with Manduka's commitment to quality and sustainability, offering everyone a unique expression of their practice. We all know that having the right gear is essential and a yoga mat is no different. Feel the benefits of yoga with Manduka's soulfully engineered, eco-friendly products designed to inspire your practice wherever you go. The Manduka and Jerry Lopez collection want to inspire you to practice yoga however you choose to. And from now until June 10th, you will get 15% off of all products when you visit manduka.com with the code THELINEUP15. That's manduka.com, code THELINEUP1515. All right, everybody, welcome back. This is The Lineup. I'm Mitch, that's Dave, and we're going into one of our favorite segments out of the entire podcast. It's our Instagram fan questions. Remember, you can follow us at The Lineup Pod, and you can send us questions via DMs anytime you would want. Dave, let's get into our first question uh, from at Stacy 12 This is a fun question because it has to do with our last segment, the Vizsla CT Shaper Rankings. Mm -hmm. Which shaper do you think will have the best win percentage throughout the season? Mm, that is a good question. And I think it's a good question because there's probably a couple ways you can take it. And we've just spent a lot of time talking about um, how Sharp Eye is, has sort of wrenched the lead away from Mayhem um, following the completion of the Mayo Rip Curl Pro Portugal. They have a, a solid team for a good reason. They've got the hot hand on tour right now. Um, so I think you know, probability-wise across the tour, you'd say they certainly have an advantage and and also just performance wise across the first few events we've seen that they're delivering the results but but 
maybe there's a different way to look at win percentage because this has come up since we launched the launched the uh, Vizsla CT Shaper rankings and something we can kind of take a look at moving forward. Is there like, is there a way to create a win percentage related to the amount of surfers a shaper has on their team, right? We've talked about in the past, there's really kind of three tiers to the Vizsla CT Shaper rankings. There's the first tier that's got your Sharp Eyes and Mayhems and Channel Islands and DHDs that have you know six, seven, eight, 11 surfers on their program. There's a secondary tier where you've got shapers like Pizel or TNC Surf that might have a couple of surfers, two to three. And then you've got kind of the third tier, which are just shapers that have their one surfer, you know, Know, your Smith shapes with Jordy Smith, your Sparrow shapes with Callum Robson, your Pattersons with Carlos, uh, not Carlos, uh, Carlos was on tour, uh, Pattersons with uh, Italo Fajera, generally speaking. Um, so, so it's an interesting thing. What, what we don't want to do with the Vizsla CT Shaper rankings is ignore that there are teams that are investing a lot of money. There are teams that have the potential to invest a lot of money. And so if we just counted like one surfer per team or two surfers per team, it kind of discounts the the reality, right? Which is that Sharp Eye and Mayhem and DH and Channel Islands have attracted and are supporting yeah. a pretty big amount of team riders at this point. Um, but at the same time, it, it, it'd be interesting. I think just taking a quick look at the rankings, you know, you've got Sharp Eye up front, Mayhem in second, DHD in third, Channel Islands in fourth, and Pizel in fifth. If you look at kind of where DH and Pizel are at the moment, they don't have a ton of people on tour, but they're still in the mix. And, and that kind of speaks, I think, to the potency of the people they do have on on the team at the moment. But, you know, Mitch, what do you think about in terms of the uh, the question? I have a proposition for you uh, when it comes to this, Dave, because I feel that the most just way of doing this has to be after the mid-year cut. So we have a reduced amount mm. of surfers. We have a reduced amount of surfers on certain shapes. And secondly, these results have to count after the round of 16 as well. So same thing applies from the Vizsla uh, mm. CT Shaper rankings to this question right here. I think it has to be quarterfinals forward, and I think it has to be after the mid-year cut. What do you think? I thought you were going to go the other way. I thought you were going to say, since there's less surfers on tour, we should only count semifinals and better. Uh, And I I know, there's two different schools of thought here. Um, But I like it. I mean, I think the important thing that listeners should understand too, like when we we built the rankings for this year, we, we talked to every shaper we could. We talked to surfers, a lot of our colleagues that are big surf brains as well. We talked to Vizsla. We, we really like where it's at right now, but we're certainly open to evolving it moving forward. I have a little bit of hesitation of changing the rules mid-flight, but we can always take it up the hill to the Council of Elders. And by that, I mean the, the shapers to see what they think. Um, they're never short of opinion and and check it out but interesting proposition Mitch. okay well i think we're gonna have to do that for 2024 because this year we, we get things <laughs> to hold down first and then afterwards we'll get into it here's question number two dave um big shout out to at willie goat 0230 he's sending a couple of questions we appreciate you at willie goat 0230 um i'm gonna just say it the way he spelt it how do yas see the season's rookie group pairing (laughs) and who are your standouts so far it's a good question you know and i i I kind of hear that as like fairing as compared to years past and it's interesting i i think something i've observed is is and this is not a perfect science or formula but you know like 
every five or so years on the men's CT, you kind of see a cycle of, of generational talent shift or, or, or talent moving forward. And that's not to say they're winning world titles, but they're kind of up there in the mix. They're, they're at the vanguard of what the world's best surfing looks like. And, and oftentimes for a variety of factors, you know, socioeconomic, just general kind of physiology and, you know, performance measurement, it seems like every five years you see it. Now, it's not on the button, of course. And then on the women's side, I actually think it's a bigger window. Yeah. It's probably closer to 10 years. You know, like we see like a decade long class of surfers and then that starts to shift. And so I bring that up because I think that informs kind of how you view rookie classes. Like you might be a great rookie, but you might be falling right in the middle of this sort of performance dynasty mm -hmm. on tour. And it's like, I, I couldn't crack through the ceiling or you could kind of hit right at the right moment. And it's not luck, of course, like the surfer actually has to surf and they're the ones that are pushing kind of the performance boundaries themselves. But so much of it is timing. You know, if you're taking a look at the rankings right now, like we just saw Caitlin Simmers. She's a rookie. She won the CT in Portugal. She's currently tied for second on the rankings. And then even Australia's Sophie McCulloch, who was injured for the first two events, but performed really, really well in Portugal. Um, she collected a quarterfinals finish. And and I would say, too, just as we've been talking, you know, you got sophomore Molly Picklum, you got sophomore Gabby Bryant. You have young surfers on the women's tour kind of turning the, the clock around in, in a way. And, and it's interesting. And they might be right around that kind of 10-year inflection point. On the men's side, it's it's... It's interesting. It's similar. You see some young surfers up there, but as far as rookies go in 2023, you've got Rio Waida. Um, he's currently ranked number 10. Um, first surfer ever from Indonesia to make the championship tour, and it's really been cool to see his surfing translate to the CT. Um, you know, my guy, he's another sponsorless surfer, um, dark horse for Rookie of the Year, but Ian Gentile, I think, has been surfing fantastic. Mm -hmm. He's He looks like the calmest dude at the event, and, <laughs> and I think that speaks to he competed so much when he was younger. He was heralded as, you know, Andy Irons called him the best 12-year-old on the planet. So much attention. He, even though he's a rookie, man, his whole his whole spirit is just like, been here, done this before. I know that I'm an elite level surfer and I'm going to go out there and, and do my thing. And yeah. so so it's cool. I, I We haven't seen the same results as we've seen from um, the women's side yet, but it's it's early on. What do you think about this, Mitch? I actually agree with your uh, with both of your opinions a lot. Um, on the women's mm. side, we really only have three real rookies. If you consider Teresa Bombolo an actual CT surfer, given that she did not qualify, but she's getting a wild card into the events. So if those points do count before the mid-year cut, there's a chance that she still has a, a chance to make it past that mid-year cut. But both Caitlin Simmers... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, Sophie McCulloch, to me, have really lived up to the hype. I mean, Sophie's only surfed in one event. She just barely lost out of making the semifinals, and Caitlin just won her first event. So I kind of expected them to do well this early on, especially knowing that a lot of the older females are probably going maybe not downhill, but they're not peaking as much as they did anymore. Mm. On the men's side, I knew Rio Wida was probably going to be my pick for Rookie of the Year. The other men are faring quite well. I agree with Gentile. Mm. Um a bit surprised that a couple of the other gentlemen um, haven't done as well, especially considering that Maxime Houssineau has been around competing for such a yeah. long time. Um, we haven't been able to see Ramsey compete yet. He's probably going to get the injured wild oh, that's card. That's a bummer. I, I, yeah. 
I'd love to see him surf again. And especially, yeah, we, we were robbed of Ramsey this season for sure. Right, especially at Sunset Beach and the next two events. Like if mm. he if he isn't able to surf at Bells and at Margaret, I really do think that those are two venues that would have suited him well. But either way, I think he's mm-hmm. guaranteed a spot. Uh, uh, you know, at the back end of the year with the injury wild card. But um, I think they fared okay. You know, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily mm-hmm. surprised about the women's performances. But about the men, I didn't necessarily think that they were going to win an event this early on in the season. Um, question number three, Dave. Our final one. Uh, this is from at T-U Cool. T-I-U Cool for Megan. <laughs> so the question is, do you think Katie is the new Kelly winning super young? Do I think Katie is the new Kelly? I, I, I mean, I the surfing industrial complex drink. Um, I mean, and that's the question the surfing world's been asking for 30 years, right? Like, who's the next Kelly Slater? And, and we've probably heard it assigned to over a dozen people, right? Men and women. I, I'm, I'm trying to think. Like, Jeremy Flores would have been, you know... Um, Dane Reynolds at one point, like Steph Gilmore, right? And and so, I mean, Kelly is so singular in what he's achieved in his career. And so it's it's hard to kind of say what part uh, of this person is giving us the same feeling. Kelly was uh, one, super young, of course, on tour. Um, Katie has now two. I mean, a lot of, a lot of people have. I, I, I wasn't working when Kelly kind of started moving into the limelight, but getting to work with him as I have over the course of the last few decades and just observing how he was like before that, he kind of seems like someone who fed on the limelight and fed on the attention and and wanted to perform for people. Um, And I don't know Katie that well, and she's obviously very capable of performing in front of people, but I wouldn't say that at her age right now, she's looking for the limelight i don't know what do you think mitch well first of all how old were you when kelly actually won his first world championship in 92 i was nine i wasn't even born i was uh, born two years later I, exactly i wasn't yeah yeah i, I wasn't surfing <laughs> that's for sure so. <laughs> well look, let me put it this way there's never gonna be another kelly slater first of all like mm-hmm. the, the, it's just no, it's impossible. The guy's been on the championship tour for three different decades. He surfed against at least four different generations of surfers. He's beating, um, Fair. you know, people that he surfed against their sons. You know, that's crazy. There's never going to be another Kelly Slater. I think what Katie does though is, um, I think she's unique. First of all, I think she's a real mm-hmm. breath of fresh air. I think she's something that we need to see in the sport of surfing, especially when it comes to the competition side, because a lot of surfers, and I can even attest to this, sometimes we're just a little too cool, Dave. Oh, competing. It's like, oh, it's like, (laughs) no. It's like, no, dude. Like, competing makes us better. Like, we motivate each other. We're pushing each other and stuff like that. And I think Katie brings the best of both worlds. She brings a free surfer's personality, but a competitive mindset when it comes to actually um, doing these events, because... I don't know if you saw the broadcast yesterday, but when AJ was actually reporting on whether or not Katie would give her a word before she piled out for the final, she's like, no, like I'm in my mode. Get away from me. So I'd right. like to see that. Yep. And she's only 17. So I don't necessarily think she's a new Kelly. I think she's Katie Simmers. And I'd love to see that. 
I love it. I love the answer. Um, super fun catch up as far as bonus episodes go, as far as any episodes go. Uh, Mitch, really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, thanks everyone for listening. We will be back on Tuesday with another episode and we'll bring Mitch back as soon as we can uh, seduce him to come back <laughs> on the podcast. Thanks for having me again, Dave. Appreciate it. So that's it. That's the lineups conversation with myself and Mitch Salazar. I hope you enjoyed it. The next stop on the 2023 WSL Championship Tour season will be the Rip Curl Pro Bells Beach from April 4th through the 14th. It is the 60th anniversary of this event. The event will stream live at worldsurfleague.com and the WSL app. Do not miss it. Today's episode is produced by Miguel Clemente and Mitch Salazar with art direction by Jason Penning and copywriting by Dan Willen. Thanks to them and thanks to our sponsors. We appreciate their support. The lineup acknowledges that is recorded and produced on the ancestral lands of the Chumash, the Kumie, and the Wanneño native people. I hope you safely get some waves wherever you are and we will see you next Tuesday. WSLstore.com is powered by Shopify. We love the analytics we can check on the go. A lot of us are addicted to checking the Shopify app on our phones. We also love the automations and marketing integrations with our social and YouTube channels. It has incredible features to help us manage our global audience, including international taxation support and great shipping optionality. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash lineup, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash lineup now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash lineup.